The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller. We got part two today. Looking forward to another great episode of Free Agency Talk with you. Western Conference today, going to open up talking about the Dallas Mavericks, who extended Luka to the super duper rookie max, whatever you want to call it. Uh, He's a $200 million man now. But other moves that they had were to trade Josh Richardson to the Boston Celtics for Moses Brown. They also retained Tim Hardaway Jr. and Boban. And then they brought in Reggie Bullocks and Sterling Brown. So probably pretty even across the board. Jay Rich out, Bullock in, and then Sterling Brown, Moses Brown are just low-level rotation players that don't change that much. But I actually think Moses Brown could have a bigger role with the Mavericks. They still can bring back Willie Cauley-Stein, but they haven't yet. Pretty much everything stayed the same with Dallas. I still look for Dallas to maybe make a late move here. They, they're just set up to make some sort of move to help improve this team, to put some quality players around Luka. So whether that's moving Porzingis or, or trying to make that work with him, I'm not sure. Uh, I like Reggie Bullock. I think he's a really good player as far as from a dynasty perspective, really not much value there. He doesn't really hurt anybody on this team. Uh, THJ coming back is great for his value to, to be in that same role that he had a lot of success in last year. And I think he'll have very good success moving forward. But to your point with Moses Brown, I, I'm not sure. It's kind of crowded up front with this team, having a healthy Dwight Powell, having Maxi Kleber. Um, and then obviously Porzingis still being there at the moment. I don't know what type of minutes he's going to get compared to what he was able to do last year. I don't think he's going to get anywhere close to the OKC role he had where he was getting 20 plus minutes a night for extended stretches, but he's like, we talked Dwight Powell. Are you really that is Moses Brown going to be that much better or worse than Dwight Powell? No, but he's a whole lot younger. So that could matter. But I agree completely that I don't think they're done. There's been some talks about them acquiring Goran Dragic from the Raptors because he doesn't want to be there, and then they don't want him there, which we talked about last time. But I agree. They have one more move in them because this is just not a good team to have around Luka. Yeah, like, I mean, they're they're essentially just running it back from last year's team. that Which that Luka is that did, good. But just like, didn't look good. So He is that good that you can just like, oh, run it back, and it'll just carry us. But... At the same time, don't let don't make him carry you. Like get better players around him. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do there. The Denver Nuggets lost JaVale McGee. They retained Will Barton and Jamichael Green, and then also Austin Rivers. Uh, and then they brought in Jeff Green. I think this was a pretty good offseason for them, all things considered. When they their biggest acquisition is going to be whenever Jamal Murray comes back. Jeff Green helps, gives them a lot more versatility on the wings. Jamichael Green was great for them. Barton was way more expensive than I thought he was going to be. And then Austin Rivers played well for them too. Does this change anything for anybody on the roster? No, I mean, it's it's pretty much the same as last year for them. 
other than acquiring some, you know, retaining some of their backups that are really quality players. I, I think the biggest thing is from a dynasty perspective is they didn't bring in any competition at the point guard position. So obviously Jamal is going to be out for, for most of the season, if not all of the season. Uh, so that means Monte Morris, Facundo Campazzo are going to split that time at point guard again. And, and both those guys were, were very much ownable uh, when Murray went down last year. Jeff Green steps into the Paul Millsap role, who still remains unsigned at age 36. It's possible he comes back and that just further diminishes any of the front court players not named Michael Porter Jr. and Nikola Jokic, but that's something that we'll have to react to when it happens. I, I just want to mention it because it's a player that we've had a lot of questions on in the past, and he might get back up minutes now, and that's Bull Bull. Oh my gosh. <laughs> The hype around Bull Bull is just unreal. It, but I, I had to mention it. That yes, you didn't have to, but <laughs> but you're right, you did have to. I don't think there's anything there with Bull Bull. He's a project, and I don't see why Denver would go out of their way to give him a bunch of opportunity and a bunch of minutes. But maybe if you've you're been right. holding him. This is the year. This is the year he finally gets ten minutes a game. <laughs> if you've been holding him to be excited for 10 minutes a game, then you have a lot more patience than I do. Moving on, don't talk about Bobo anymore. Uh, Houston Rockets, they lost Kelly Olynyk to the Detroit Pistons. They lost Sterling Brown to the Dallas Mavericks. They retained Jordan Nwaba, and they brought in Daniel Tice, which is about as linear as it gets going from Olynyk to Tice. Slightly different player, but similar roles, similar expectations and is going to be the backup behind Christian Wood pretty easily. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply. Not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. Yeah, interesting move bringing him in. Probably more so just for depth. It's it's hard to go into a season with just a bunch of guys under 24 and saying, hey, let's go try and win some games. So they obviously had to spend some money. They decided to use it on Tice, who's a, a decent player, going to be a good backup, going to be a good role model for all those young players they have in the front court. I mean, really, it's it's just about getting these these young players that they have quality minutes, uh, trying to see how they progress, and and just seeing what type of players they want to keep moving forward and, and where they need to look with their future draft picks. So not much has changed with Houston. Look for them to be shopping a lot of their veterans throughout the season. Uh, so just pay attention to their rotations because it's going to be ever-changing as it typically is with teams that are pretty poor. When I mentioned Tice being the backup, that didn't even factor into the equation, the draft picks that the Rockets made. So Tice may just be more of a veteran presence that's asked to come in and stabilize things sometimes, but he also may not get asked to do anything. So there's that. Golden State Warriors had a very good offseason. They lost Kent Bazemore, Kelly Oubre, and Nico Mannion, they retained Kavon Looney. Then they brought in Otto Porter Jr. for the minimum and Bielitsa. 
Is Otto yeah. Porter Jr. better than Kelly Oubre? It's so hard to say because we haven't seen him in what seems like it's been two years. So Very I, true. I don't know if he's better. I would say no. But for what they're paying him, absolutely he's better. <laughs> well, not to mention that Oubre was terrible in the Golden State system, and I think Otto Porter is far more likely to accept the role player responsibilities that he's going to have versus Oubre, who clearly did not do that last year. No, not at all. And you mentioned that Golden State having a pretty good offseason. I liked the moves that they made. If you're a Golden State fan, you probably wanted to see a, a superstar come to this team and really go after it. But for them not being able to land an all-star caliber player, the guys they drafted, the players that they were able to bring in, you do you have to look at it. It's been a pretty positive offseason for them, all things considered. You have to look at what they have available, and they don't have anything available. They have no money at all. Otto Porter Jr. took what seems like a pretty big discount. Apparently, there were teams out there wanting to give him the full MLE, and he took the minimum to go play with the Warriors, recoup that value, and be another wing out there with Clay Thompson coming back from injury, and then obviously Kelly Oubre playing a pretty sizable amount of minutes last year, even though he wasn't any good. There's still time for them to make another move. They're gearing up for it, but... I like their offseason. I don't think it changes anybody's dynasty value at all. Kavon Looney staying doesn't change James Wiseman at all. There's really nothing to say about that. The, the dynasty value of guys like Kaminga, Wiseman, Moody is all going to come back to how they develop. That's, that's really all you can say about that. The Los Angeles Clippers were very boring. They just retained all their guys. Nick Batum, Kawhi Leonard, Reggie Jackson, Serge Ibaka with that player option. So, what can you say about the Clippers other than they're running it back just without Kawhi, which could mean more minutes for some of the younger wings? I like the Reggie Jackson sign. He obviously played a big role in their playoff run that they had. He was a really quality player for, from the scoring perspective, and they're going to need that without Kawhi. They're going to need a number two guy to step up alongside Paul George, and Reggie Jackson could be that guy. So somebody to kind of look at in deeper in redrafts or – if you're a contending team looking for a, a cheap player for one of your later picks, he's a guy I'm, I'm definitely looking at to have a solid season for the Clippers. He's definitely going to have a role. Exactly. It's all going to come down to what other opportunities are out there for those other wings. Reggie Jackson's probably going to be the starter and he's going to be pretty good, but he's old enough to where the dynasty value there probably lines up far off of what his redraft value would be for those contending teams. The Los Angeles Lakers were everywhere. They lost Andre Drummond, Alex Caruso, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, Kuzma, Harrell, Schroeder, and Markeith Morris through various avenues that included them bringing in Westbrook, but then also Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, and Carmelo Anthony, while also retaining Talon Horton Tucker. It's incredible what they were able to do, consolidating three of their big contracts into Westbrook and then still bringing in six players. Like I know that they had to, to get to the roster minimum, but it's still just amazing to me what good teams that have championship aspirations are able to squeeze out of guys who could actually be decent in basketball. Not so great in fantasy. Yeah. It's just the luxury of having superstars on your team that other players want to play with to either just rebuild their own value or, uh, chase that ring. So, and we, you know, we see a, a lot of quality players on this team. There's going to be some sneaky value outside of 
Westbrook, LeBron, and AD. So it's definitely something to watch as far as the rotations go. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, I know a lot of people have been really high on him. He's going to find some quality minutes now that Kuzma's gone, KCP's gone. I know they brought some guys in, but he's the one that they paid out of all those guys. Exactly. And to speak on the stars for a second, LeBron and Westbrook are going to cancel each other out a little bit, I think. There's no way that both of them, there's no way LeBron stays at 27, 7, and 7, and Westbrook stays at 24, 11, and 10. Uh, that there's just not enough ball to go around. They may end up there for the season averages if they end up missing games and staggering back to backs or something like that. But do you think Malik Monk or Kendrick Nunn will have fantasy relevance this year as, as guards getting decent minutes, especially without KCP Caruso and Schroeder, like you said, there's going to be a really interesting battle at that shooting guard position. Obviously we know if you have LeBron James, if you have Russell Westbrook, you're surrounding them with shooters. So they brought in a bunch of shooters. They're going to audition a bunch of guys for that role. And who knows Malik Monk, he's young. He's, he's had some big games in the past. He's, He's shown that when he does get minutes that he can do a little bit with them. So he could win that spot. Wayne Ellington, obviously a three-point specialist as well. They have Baysmore. So who really knows who's going to win that starting spot? But whoever does is going to have some value as a a three-point specialist on this team. There also might be some opportunity for shot creation. It's crazy as that sounds coming from a team that's going to have LeBron, Westbrook, and Anthony Davis out there. But one of the things that the Lakers could use is guys that are more than just standstill shooters, guys like Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk, who aren't afraid to put the ball on the floor and try to make something happen for themselves with others as the secondary priority there. Memphis Grizzlies had a pretty low key off season. They declined justice Winslow's player option and then traded away Jonas Valanciunas for Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. They also traded away Grayson Allen to the Milwaukee Bucks. So just kind of clearing up the rotation a little bit and then taking on some bad money in order to move up to pick number 10 and take Zaire Williams. I like that they consolidated, but I don't think they consolidated quite enough. I think Bledsoe will be on the move yet again. Yeah, we're, we're just hoping that they make a few more moves just to free up a lot of these quality guys they're, they're so young they have a lot of guys that per, are permanent monsters but they just don't have the minutes and i don't foresee any of these guys getting the minutes you know guys like brandon clark d'anthony melton these guys that if man if they could just get 30 minutes a game on a consistent basis they're they're easily top 100 top 80 guys unfortunately it doesn't seem to be the case again this year but a, f- a few guys i'm really interested in so Number one, they obviously traded J-Val, brought in Steven Adams. Do you see Steven Adams getting starter minutes? I believe last year, as I look it up, he was closer to 28 minutes a game than anything else, which is a little bit concerning for his value going to a Memphis team that does not have any obligation to try and play him and try to win. He was at 27 minutes a game last year with the Pelicans, That's probably about right, but we've talked about it. The Grizzlies have some front court options between JJJ sliding to the five. They've got Brandon Clark. They've got Xavier Tillman, and then they have Zaire Williams and slow-mo as well, who are options at the three and the four, which obviously slides the rest of the lineup around. So 
if Steven Adams was closer to 25 minutes a game, I wouldn't be shocked. And I think as, you know, as a fantasy owner of any of these guys, you're, you're kind of bummed that Bledsoe and Adams are still on this team. And I would be a little hesitant moving forward as well. Not, not that any of these guys are going to lose value. They're obviously really young and, you know, you can't be that short-sighted, but it's just disappointing. Uh, this team almost not really tearing it apart, but also not really trying to to win. And I, I don't know what's going to happen with a lot of these players that they have. They, they almost have two full, well, they do. They have two full rotations that, you know, any NBA team would love to have this second unit. And that even leaves out some guys that are pretty decent or guys that they should be investing in like Zaire Williams. So really hope that they do something with that. Moving on to the Minnesota Timberwolves. They were pretty quiet. They traded Ricky Rubio for Toreen Prince, which is a good move as far as a real life team building perspective, but doesn't do very much for me in the dynasty perspective, except lean into Anthony Edwards handling the ball more and potentially negatively impact Jaden McDaniels' opportunities at that three slash four spot next to Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, they didn't do anything at all. We heard some rumblings that they were interested in in ganging on another player, a guy like John Collins, but I don't think they're gonna ever they're gonna have a hard time getting players to come to this team uh, when they they really haven't shown much ability to to be good or or see the light at the end of the tunnel. So but I, I actually really like that they didn't do anything yet. Uh, I think that really helps Jaden McDaniels, as you mentioned. He, his spot to me in the NBA is to play the four. He's a great fit next to Cat. Yeah. He can shoot the three, a great defender. They haven't re-signed Jared Vanderbilt yet. I believe he's still out there. He is, yep. So if if he doesn't come back either it really should be Jaden McDaniel's show as far as him getting in that starting lineup and getting 30 minutes a game. If Jaden McDaniels gets 30 minutes a game, he will be a top 100 player this year. Last year, I'm also going to look this up right now, but I believe in under 30 minutes a game, he had over a block a game, which is something that not a lot of players can say. And I just, I love Jaden McDaniels. I know a lot of people probably follow me on Twitter and know that already, but that's just, that's what it is. Jaden McDaniels last year in 24 minutes a game was at 45% from the field, 60% from the line, low volume, which is bad, 0.6 steals, one block. So give him an extra six minutes, and that is real close to 111 territory and he's shown some pretty good improvement in the summer league right now, which there's no takeaway from the summer league. So don't ask. It's such a small sample size. <laughs> no, we're not making any huge sweeping conclusions from that, but Jaden McDaniels is set up for a really big year. If they don't bring back Jared Vanderbilt, even with the addition of Torian Prince. And really the rest of this team, we pretty much know what they're going to be this year. They didn't really add really anybody worthwhile. So you know, a guy like Jarrett Culver, if you're still holding out hope for him, I, I mean, I think he's not going to really do much at all with this team. With with the addition of Edwards, with the addition of Prince, uh, I'm pretty. It's it seems like they're pretty much moved on from Culver. There were rumblings before the draft that they were trying to move off of him for a second round pick, 
Obviously, everything that comes out before the draft has some sort of leverage from one side or the other. Since they didn't move him, it makes it seem like that was probably from somebody trying to acquire Culver. But who the heck knows? Moving on to a team that never ceases to amaze slash confuse slash frustrate me, even as somebody who is not a fan of the team, is the New Orleans Pelicans. In a move that made sense, and we we liked that they made up for the mistake that they had originally made. They traded Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe for J-Val, but then they also signed and traded Lonzo out to bring in Thomas Sadoransky and Garrett Temple. And then they let James Johnson go, which is fine. And then they traded a first for Devontae Graham and have yet to re-sign Josh Hart. What? Why? I don't... <laughs> it, it just seems they take one step forward and two steps back with this team. And it it can't, it's so frustrating because they have, you know, two of the more talented young players in the NBA and you just get a feeling that they're never going to be able to build anything here. They, they made a great trade, as you mentioned, getting rid of Bledsoe and Adams contract, bringing in Jay Val, who's on just a one-year deal, a more useful player. And it allowed them to open up money who we thought, okay, they're going to go out and retain Lonzo, or they're going to get a point guard and bring somebody in uh, who can kind of help move this team in the right direction. But and... instead they traded a first for <laughs> Devonte Graham. It's a they... decent signing and a decent and average yeah. annual value, but sheesh. Yeah. It's, it's just not what you wanted. You know, how much better is Devonte Graham than, than what they have in, in Naw or Kyrie Lewis. But regardless, we're not here to talk about the, the front office moves. We're here to talk about the players and, a player I love is Devontae Graham. I mean, he he landed in such a great spot. He's going to start for that team. And playing next to Ingram, playing next to Zion is, is going to be huge for him. He's not a very good player once he gets in the paint. He doesn't finish that well. But the one thing he can do is shoot from three, and he's going to get a ton of opportunity to shoot from three this year. The last two years, Devontae Graham has averaged nine three-point attempts a game, which is just ridiculous and is something that the Pelicans are drastically going to need. He shot 37% on those attempts, so decent volume, decent percentage, can't complain there. I don't imagine that his cysts are going to be at the 7.5 that they were in 2019-20 with the Hornets. They'll probably be closer to the 5 that they or that he was at last year. So as far as fantasy value goes, you're looking for some very specific things with him, and it's don't care about field goal percentage, just give me the threes, give me the free throw percentage, and then give me some assists with a steal sprinkled in there. He's young enough to where that matters. Obviously, when you saw Lonzo on the way out and you saw Lowry signing, if you were a Naw or Kyra Lewis holder, you were like, yes, yes. And then they brought in Devontae Graham, so you're going to have to continue waiting on that. But it wouldn't surprise me to see them give Graham less minutes than what they would have given Lonzo to continue trying to develop those other two younger guards. But either way, you're just going to hold those because you're, you can't really do anything about them right now anyways. As far as Jackson Hayes goes with Valanciunas in there, I don't think that changes very much. He has to get out of whatever legal trouble situation that's going on there anyways. But we thought he was in for a big year, maybe taking minutes from Steven Adams. He's not going to do that with J-Val, which we already talked about a little bit. Sadoransky and Temple, they don't really matter to this team, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, not at all. I mean, unless they they see Sadoransky as a backup point guard, but which they shouldn't I, with Naw and Kyra Lewis on the team. It, that, that's they, a disservice. They definitely shouldn't. Yeah. So, and I don't think Temple's going to really do a whole lot with their first round pick with Trey Murphy being there. They really need to give him some minutes too. So, uh, you mentioned Jackson Hayes. It seems like there could be some punishment coming for him from the NBA. I don't know that for certain, but there's a possibility. And if that's the case, I don't think it's actually that big of a, an issue. I, he's definitely still a hold. Like we mentioned, J-Val is only on. Uh, this is his final year of his contract. So you, you still want to hold Jackson Hayes if you have him. His value is somewhat low right now. So don't be, but also don't be selling him because the future is bright from a basketball perspective for him. Moving on to OKC. They had a pretty busy offseason moving Al Horford and Moses Brown for Kimba Walker and then moving Kimba Walker and uh, agreeing to a buyout with him. They also moved Tony Bradley and Svi Mihailuk. They retained Mike Muscala, and they also brought in Derek Favors from the Jazz for another first-round pick. Derek Favors is going to get the Al Horford treatment, no? I'm not so sure. I They don't really have a ton of big guys there, so I, I don't know what they're going to do there. I mean... I can imagine them. They're going to play him a little bit, maybe try to build up his value and see what they can get for him in a, in a trade. But I don't think he's just going to get sat. Maybe not to that extent, but he definitely will miss some games. The biggest transactions that OKC had were in the draft, which we talked about already. So if you want to figure out what we think about who they drafted, what it means for all the young players on the roster, be sure to go check out that podcast. Moving on to the Phoenix Suns. They lost Tory Craig and Javon Carter in uh, in free agency and trade, respectively. They retained Cam Payne, CP3, and Frank Kaminsky. And then in the Javon Carter trade, they brought in Landry Shamit. What do you think about Shamit on this team? Is there a role for him? Yeah, I think there's definitely a role for him on the second unit as a shooter. Uh, that's pretty much all he's been his whole career, and I don't see that changing here with Phoenix. Um, I also do want to mention they they brought in Alfred Payton, one of your one of your yes, faves. They did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So just another guy to add to the mix there at that point guard position. Who knows what he's going to do there? But yeah, back to your point with with Landry Shamit. I really liked the move. I thought it was a, a fantastic trade for the Suns. Uh, he's a, like I said, he's a really good shooter, a guy, a good guy to have off the bench. Other than that, not a whole lot of other moves for the Suns. Just making sure they retain Chris Paul, I know, was was pretty much at the top of the list for them. So they did they did that. So good for them. If I'm not mistaken, the last two years of the Chris Paul's deal are not fully guaranteed. I think it's a partial guarantee on year three of his four year deal, and then a very non fully guaranteed on the fourth year. So. Devin Booker's dynasty value or short-term fantasy value is impacted by Chris Paul staying put. We saw what that meant for his assists and how much that changed what Booker's fantasy output is, but just got to be patient. Booker's still legit and should be considered a top 25 dynasty asset, even next to Chris Paul. Moving on to the Portland Trailblazers, who had a certainly an offseason in trying to make Dame Lillard happy. They lost Zach Collins and Enos Cantor and Carmelo Anthony. They retained Norm Powell, five for 90, and Derek Jones Jr. opted into his player option. And then they brought in Tony Snell and Cody Zeller. 
no fantasy ramifications whatsoever. No, not at all. You pretty much the same thing that Portland's been saying that they're they're trying to get help for Dame, but they really can't. I mean, they they just don't have the money to do anything. Uh, nobody really wants to go there and and play for a veteran man like they do in with the Lakers or or with the Nets or wherever it is. So it's just really hard. They're in a tough spot. I don't foresee a Lillard trade this year. Possibly see them moving CJ this year. I mean, the Norm Powell, I, I do like that move. He's a really good player. He's very underrated. Uh, this is good for his fantasy value that a team has invested this much in him. That means he's going to get 30 minutes moving forward, which is great. He's an efficient player, threes, steals, uh, just a good all-around NBA player. So good for him. But as far as the the rest of the team, I mean, it's pretty unchanged. We thought maybe a big move was coming for this team, and it doesn't appear to be. It may still yet. There's obviously a lot of dominoes out there yet to fall. Could not agree more with Powell being invested in and that being great for his dynasty value because a five-year deal is nothing to turn your nose at. Speaking of investing, Sacramento invested in Rashawn Holmes this summer. Way less than what I thought he was going to get, but a four-year deal nonetheless, which is still pretty impressive. They lost DeLon Wright in the aforementioned Atlanta-Boston trade. They brought in Tristan Thompson because of that. They also lost Hassan Whiteside, which is a huge bummer. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> they, they retained Mo Harkless, and then they brought in Alex Lynn again. Holmes is the huge winner here, but I think also Davion Mitchell, big winner. Them losing DeLon Wright after drafting him. We weren't sure what the goal of that was going to be, but Davion Mitchell on the way up. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see who starts. If they finally put Halliburton in that starting lineup, or if they uh, make him come off the bench again and start pretty much the same lineup they did last year with uh, Buddy, Barnes, Holmes, and then maybe Bagley in there at the four if he's healthy. So it'll be interesting. I would, I would assume that Halliburton's going to be in that starting lineup with Buddy and with Fox, and they're going to run that three-guard set, and Mitchell's going to get that run off the bench. But as you mentioned, I mean, Holmes is – was my favorite signing of the year as far as easily the value that they were able to get from a player of his quality. Uh, it's a great sign. I'm not sure what the rest of that front court is going to look like with, with Bagley and uh, bringing in TT, bringing in Alex Lynn. Uh, I don't know what, what the goal was to add so many bigs. Maybe they didn't think they were going to get homes and they were adding a few guys because of that. But regardless, they're pretty much unchanged from last year. Which is fine. There was the rumored Buddy Heald trade that quickly turned into the Russell Westbrook trade, so that would probably have been the big move for Sacramento. It's also very possible that they're not done because it seems like Buddy Heald is just constantly in trade rumors. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. San Antonio Spurs lost almost all of their vets, uh, Rudy Gay, Gorgie Jang, Patty Mills, and DeMar DeRozan. But they brought in Doug McDermott, Zach Collins, Bryn Forbes, the Thad in the sign-and-trade, and Chandler Hutchinson in the sign-and-trade. I hated the Zach Collins signing. It made absolutely no sense for me as far as a financial perspective. The Doug McDermott signing seemed like a lot, but we know shooting is a premium. Bryn Forbes is back in San Antonio. Thad was part of the sign-and-trade. They just have a lot of guys, and I don't really know what to make of it other than 
assuming that the wings that they had on their roster, Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson, they have to lose minutes to some of these guys, right? I, I, I'm not so sure. I don't know if they really brought anybody in that's, that's going to really take a bunch of minutes other than, than Doug McDermott, like you've mentioned. I think the big winners are the two guards, Derek White and DeJunte Murray should get plenty of run and they're going to, their usage should shoot up a decent amount with DeRozan gone. So those are definitely the two biggest winners and they didn't really bring anybody in. That's going to take minutes away. So we'll, we'll see how the, the wings shake out here. Uh, it's, it's too bad. Cause I would really like to see Vassell and Keldon Johnson both be getting close to 30 minutes per game. Uh, but I'm not sure that's the case. It, it seems like the Spurs are going to really spread the minutes around to all their players. And that's more of what I meant. I don't think McDermott or Collins, if he's ever healthy, or Thad is going to come in and get 26 minutes a game. McDermott last year had 25 with the Pacers, which seemed like a lot. So the usage that DeMar leaves that hole is going to be massive for DeJounte and Derek White. And then obviously whatever comes of Zach Collins and Forbes and all of that. It, it seems kind of one for one with Thad and Gay and Forbes and Mills. Um, and McDermott is obviously just a shooter out there to spread the floor and make things a little bit easier for all those guys. So Spurs seem like they're going more towards a rebuild than Josh Primo at 12 definitely indicated that as well. I do like this move for Thad. I, I was really hoping he'd stay with the Bulls. I'm a huge fan of him. He's a really great player. But from a fantasy perspective, this is a much better fit for him because he, he doesn't need a lot of minutes. He didn't get a ton of minutes with the Bulls. All If he can get 25 minutes, which I think he can do with this team at the 4-5, I, I think he can be pretty useful. He was, you know, He's a guy that can give you boards, can give you steals, and can throw in a lot of assists as well from a, a big. One thing about the Spurs, they don't have very many big-bodied wings. I know Keldon Johnson is AKA big body, but he's still six, five, six, six ish. So that's, that's a bit of a stretch playing the power forward position that has no problem playing the power forward position. So it'll be, I could definitely see him having some fantasy relevance. I just also don't think Thad will stay on the team very long. I believe he's expiring, but if he's he not is. expiring, yep. yeah. So he's going to have some value to some team because he's the big wing. Like we said, Last but not least, the Utah Jazz, they sent out Derek Favors to the OKC Thunder for a first-round pick. They sent out a first-round pick. They did not get a first-round pick for Derek Favors. They retained Mike Conley on what I thought was a great deal, and then they brought in Hassan Whiteside, Rudy Gay, and Eric Paschal. Pretty uneventful. Nothing crazy, I don't think. The biggest winner of this might actually be Whiteside. I wouldn't argue that whatsoever. I know Whiteside's a guy that you've been holding, hoping that he would find a spot where he can be useful. You again. just can't and drop him. You just can't. I mean, he had a top 10 season. So it's what are you, what are you supposed to do with that? But I mean, I agree. This is a, a really nice spot for him. Like, what else can you hope for with Whiteside? Is the, I mean, the biggest thing is that he gets a consistent 14 to 16 minutes. That's all you can hope for if you own Whiteside. And this is a spot where he can definitely get that. That's two blocks a game right there. Uh, <laughs> Whiteside's obviously not somebody you're super intrigued by for a dynasty aspect just because he is old and very clearly is not a priority for the league if his time in Sacramento meant anything. 
Mike Conley staying put matters for guys like Jared Butler. We talked about that at the end of our draft recap episode two, talking about Jared Butler drafted in second round. So Rudy Gay coming in, they needed a wing. Eric Pascal also offers them a little bit more wing depth, but the wings aren't that big of a deal on Utah. Joe Ingles is going to continue to be good and useful. Boyan Bogdanovich also continued to be useful if his shot is falling, but no huge priority shifting moves for the Utah Jazz. And that is all 30 teams. We did 15 this episode, 15 last episode. If you haven't checked out our Eastern Conference free agency thoughts, please be sure to do so. If you haven't already, go find us on wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. Let us know what you think. We love hearing from you. If you want to let us know what you think on Twitter, please do so at Rhett underscore Bauer and at Travis underscore Fuller 92. We love hearing from you guys in the DMs. We get tweeted at quite often with fantasy questions and love interacting with everybody. So please feel free to reach out. Check out everything over at hoop-ball.com. Generally great stuff from the HoopBall family. You're missing out. And I believe the price for the fantasy pass is going up here soon as well. Don't waste any time. Get in there. Get the loyalty program. The price will stay the same forever. Just keep it running and, and you'll get some value out of it. I promise. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check us out next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.